0: Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Welcome everybody. This is Marguerite Cristello, and thank you so much for joining us today on The Real Estate Real World. I'm very excited about our guest today, Mary Shannon Moore, who goes by Shannon. I met online. We haven't actually met in person, but we've gotten to connect online in her extraordinary Facebook group, which she's going to tell us about a little later on. And I have to tell you, this gal has so much crazy experience that she is truly uh, somebody who's really doing it right now, and I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. So welcome, welcome, Shannon.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So tell me a little bit about your background, because I think you have a really fascinating story. Like, how did you get into real estate? What? What? Why did you do it? How did you get started?
1: Okay. Well, I, um, I previously uh, worked at a jail. I worked for the sheriff's department in the jail. I taught at a Montessori school, and I also owned a country-western newspaper. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so I've had a a very diverse work background. And I was born and raised in southwest Florida, so I thought, well, you know, what better job than selling where I live and I know the area? So uh, I've been licensed 12 years. I'm a broker. I own my own company. And um, my first week in real estate, I had a brand new baby and Hurricane Charlie ripped through my town and and tore it apart. So wow. um, my daughter was born July 29th of 2004. Um, I got my license two days before Hurricane Charlie hit my town and ripped everyone's roof off. Hurricane Charlie hit Friday the 13th, 2004 and I got my license on the Wednesday before that. So that's crazy. Quite an interesting introduction into real estate. So I started off what? working with investors. Oh so yeah, I was going to say, what do you do when all the houses around you are destroyed? Well, that's when you have to get creative, which is kind of that's my my thing. Is how do you how do you skin a cat a different way or get creative and do something different? So what I decided to do is look for investors who would want to purchase houses and put them back together, flippers so to speak, or whatever you want to call them. So that's what I started out working with is investors who were purchasing houses that um, were hurricane damaged and/or water damaged, and they were working on them and putting them back together. Because I thought, well, how am I? What am I going to sell? There's not nobody really wants to live here because the town's in shambles. And the only people that are buying are people that are looking for good deals. So um, I started out working with investors and I still work, some of the first investors that I worked with, I still work with today um, because they trust me and I've done a good job with their money and so forth. But obviously getting into it, I didn't really know too much of what I was doing. So I had to study the market. What, you know, how much would a house sell with, for no? you know, with no roof. How would you price that at? So it was an interesting beginning to real estate. Well, and so uh, you were telling me a little bit about
0: our call that your most important investor ever is related to you.
1: Absolutely. My most important investor ever was my 14 year old daughter, Willow. She um, She was going to a gifted uh, school, she has like a 160 IQ and she also has ADHD. So it's difficult for her to to concentrate and to, I mean, she knows the material, but to get it her act together to, to produce it is, is difficult for her. So she was in seventh grade having a hard time at this full-time gifted school and I gave her the option to homeschool with me because I was already homeschooling wow. her other Her younger sister, um, or her older sister at that time, I wound up homeschooling her younger sister as well, but um, I was homeschooling her, and um, I said, you know, I'm not going to put up with all these calls home and you can't do this, you're not doing that, what have you. I said, if you don't want to or you can't do it, you know, why don't I just homeschool you and we'll see what we can do. So I started homeschooling her, And I said, listen, if you are going to, um, you know, if I'm in homeschool, I I still have to work full time. So you're going to have to come with me. When I meet my investors, you're just going to have to come with me. And if you, you know, if you want to ask questions, if you want to play your Game Boy or whatever you do, you you have to come with me. So she started out, she hated it. She would sit there and, you know, how long is it going to be? You've been here for hours and so on and so forth. And I would drag her around to the various houses that I was evaluating. And um, then she started asking questions. Why did you choose that paint color? Why are you putting this here? And and so forth. And we went to a house, and it was filled with furniture and appliances and all kinds of stuff. And she said, what is, he, what is your investor going to do with all this stuff? I said, we got to get it out. We're throwing it to the curb. And she's like, well... Why? This this furniture looks good, and the appliances look fine. And I said, yeah, but we have about two weeks to get this fixed up, refurbished, and back on the market. And she said, well, do you think he'd let me take the stuff and sell it and split the money with him? And I said, I don't know. Here, give him a call. Call him up and see what he says. And he gladly let her take it and sell it. And he said, listen, I don't want any of the proceeds from it. Just sell it and sell it quick. So she she ended up getting on Craigslist and selling what was in that house. And then she said, well, if he's throwing out all this stuff that's useful, why, you know, people probably throw stuff out on trash day. So she started going around to um, places, that you, the more wealthy communities. She would go around and look for things that people were throwing out that might be able to be sold. So she found bunk beds and just all kinds of stuff. And then she had the idea to sell to people, um, sell to her friends. Because she said, you know, really what I know is skateboards and skimboards and electronics. And so she would go to Goodwill, Salvation Army, thrift stores and pick up, sometimes on Facebook, people selling stuff and the garage sale pages. (laughs) And she would pick up um, items, you know, skateboards and skimboards and what have you, and she'd resell them at the skate park to her friends. Or it started with Craigslist, but then, then she evolved to Facebook. So she was sometimes making 500 600 bucks 600 a week just selling trash, so to speak, to, um, to her friends and to people on Facebook. And my husband and I were sitting down one evening, and I was talking about a house that I found in Port Charlotte, which is a town, that's the town where Hurricane Charlie hit. And I said, I found this house. It's $16,000, but it has...
0: Wow.
1: You know, yeah, I said, it has walls, it's concrete blocks, has a roof. Um, You know, we could fix this up and we could probably rent it for six, $600, $700 a month. And this was at the dinner table, and Willow says, do you think they'd take twelve? And I said, oh, I don't know. Why, why are you asking? Why do you Why do you care? And she said, I want to go in partners with you. And my husband said, no way. We are not going to go in partners with our 14-year-old daughter. We're not doing it. We are not going to do that. We're not going to be in. You can get a job at the local grocery store or at, you know, throwing papers or something that I did. We're not going to do that. And so I said, well, let's just listen to what she has to say. She said, how about I come up with a plan and I will, um, I'll tell you the plan tomorrow. I'm going to come up with a plan and, and you see, and my husband was like, no, we're not doing it. And I said, let's just listen to her plan and see what she, what she thinks. So the next day we met again and she said, my plan is you put in half the money and I put in half the money and I will, she said, I know there's repairs you know there's probably just as much money in repairs as there is in, you know, buying the house. She said you take my half of the rent money and you put it back in for the repair work and then I want to buy you out um of your, you know, I was going to be 8000 but we did actually round up getting it for 12000. So I'll put my money back in and reinvest it because it's to buy you out basically. I said, that sounds like a really cool idea, but I said, listen, if we're going to make this deal, then you're my partner. If somebody needs to be evicted, we're going. If we sign up a new tenant, you're the one that's going to interview them. If the water needs to be turned on, you're calling the water department. She said, okay, deal. So, sure enough, you know, we knew it was kind of a shock because she would be interviewing them and she was 14. So, we would meet them and I would say, Willow is going to be your landlord. And they, I mean, she looked 14 (laughs) and they would be like, okay, we're 35. She's our landlord. I'm just shaking
0: my head over here because I'm so inspired by this young girl. You know, we hear all the time about, you know, everyone complaining because there's nothing out there. There's no jobs, there's no this, there's no that. Like whining, I mean, even adults whine and complain. Exactly. And here she's 14 and she like thought this through, came up with a plan, presented the plan to you and so then now tell me what happened from there. So
1: um, we wound up, like I said, we purchased the house, we rented it out and it was, I mean this is not, if you can imagine, a $12,000 house, this is in you know, high dollar neighborhood. So that comes with its problems, you know, people not paying rent. You have to evict them, you you know, whatever and whatever. So we have this house, and basically I did it as a homeschool project to show her how to interview contractors, how to measure for tile, how to, you know, it was kind of a project for me. So here's how it evolved from that. It was just, like I said, just a family project that we were doing. I didn't really think too much of it. Um, it was just something we did as a family and something we were working on. So meanwhile, I get interviewed generally once a week from whatever it is, TV or newspaper or somebody calling me because I'm fairly well known in the community. And I'm known as giving a very candid interview. I'm not the, it's a great time to buy kind of, you know, I'm the one that's going to tell you exactly what's going on. And yeah, the market ducks or whatever, not that word in in, an interview with the press, but (laughs) I'm pretty straight up. I'm pretty straight up. So the reporters like me because I'm different than any other interviews that that they get. So I get a phone call from a guy named Michael Braga. He is a reporter. He's still there. He's at the local newspaper, the Sarasota Herald Tribune. I get a call from him and he says, hey, he goes, "Um, National Public Radio called me and they want to talk to somebody who knows, who has a good pulse on the market and obviously I gave him your name and number because you're my favorite person that I interview. So I said, Oh, cool. I said, what do they want to talk about? And he said, oh, I think they just want to talk about your investors and, you know, how the market is, just standard stuff. I said, Alright, I got it. So a couple of days later I get a call from National Public Radio. Um, a lady named Hannah Joffe Walt. She does a program called All Things Considered on on uh, National Public Radio. So she calls me up and it's a typical, you know, how's the market? It's up, it's down, it's not doing great. It's, you know, just typical. So I was trying to give her an idea of how low the market was. So I just casually said, well, if a 14-year-old kid can buy half of a house, it's pretty damn low, you know, it's, it's low. And then I went on talking about my investors and, you know, how many houses we had flipped and, you know what we were doing and so forth, and she said, "Let's go back and talk about that fourteen-year-old girl." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> what do you want to know?" She was like, "Well, who is she?" And I said, oh, "She's my she's my that's my daughter Willow." We just kind of so I skipped over it again, and she said, "What are you doing tomorrow?" I said, "I uh, I go. We have a really full day tomorrow. Willow and I said we're going to an auction. She has like seven different sales. We have Goodwill to go to." It's trash day in mm. a really high end neighborhood. I said, "We we got a lot going on tomorrow," and she said, <laughs> "I want I'm flying down from New York City." I go, oh, well, we God. already have all this stuff planned." I it's going to be hard to. She goes, "No, I just want to follow you around for the day." I go, "Okay, that's that's fine. Um, that's you can come along with me." I mean, it's yeah. I don't know how exciting it's going to be. She goes, "No, this is a great story."
0: Wow. I said, All right.
1: Well. I said, we're starting out at 7 o'clock, so I don't know. She said, I can get a red eye and I'll be there. I'll be at your doorstep at 7. I said, all right, <laughs> fair enough. You know, come on with us. Whatever, that's, that's fine. So she got there at 7 and we got done at about 10 o'clock at night. And, I mean, oh, we did – she did trades. We went over to see her tenants. We did – I mean, she stayed the entire day. I said we had to collect rents and so forth. She interviewed her tenants and – So it was a really full day. And at the end of the day, she said, you're going to get calls from all over the world. This is going to be a crazy story. And I thought, she's trying to be nice, whatever, you know, that's fine. Thank you for doing the interview. And, you know, I didn't really think too much of it. So about two weeks later, I get a call from Hannah and she said, hey, your interview is going to go off this Friday at 530. Make sure you tune in. It's about a 30-minute interview with Willow. And I think it came out really great. Said, oh, okay, cool, no, no problem. So uh, we were actually in another town in a grocery store, and I had totally forgot about it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's all it's five fifteen. We got to check out and get in the car to listen to this because it was a radio interview, you know. So we get in the car, we listen to it, we listen to it the whole way home, and we got home. And I thought, oh, that's kind of you know, Will and I were like, that's kind of cool. Like that's national, that's big time, you know. Like that's kind of crazy that. It evolved from just a little project, yeah. And, and so it was about about six about six thirty because the interview was about thirty minutes. And I got home, put the groceries away from this farmer's market we were at it out of town, and my phone rang And it says LA, and I'm thinking, oh, great, probably Zillow, Realtor.com, trying to sell <laughs> me something, trying to sell me something. And it was a Friday. And I thought, I don't know, do I, I don't really want to be like, no, I'm not interested and what have you. So I thought, I was like, ah, oh, what the heck, I'll answer. So I answer and I go, hello. They go, hi, is this Shannon? I go, yeah, this is Shannon. They said, Shannon Moore. I go, yeah, this is Shannon Moore. They said, is this Willow's mom? I go, yeah, this is Willow's <laughs> mom. I go, who is this? And they go, this is Ellen. Oh, Ellen. Oh my I'm goodness, sitting. it
0: was actually her? It was
1: like not a was No, it was her um it was her executive producer. But so this oh, is wow. how they so they go, This is Ellen. And I'm sitting there thinking, Ellen, Ellen, I'm trying to think of my clients. I'm thinking LA and Ellen <laughs> And I'm like, I don't want to be rude and be like, I don't remember you, but I I was like, What do I say? Do I and I'm like, hmm and they're like, You don't remember you don't know Ellen? I go, You know? <laughs> I'm, and I'm, so I'm trying to play it off all cool and everything. I'm like, I think I do. I'm just, I, you know, I'm like, shit, I don't want to make them feel bad. Like, I don't remember them at all. So I'm like, I kind of remember, I think. And they're like, oh, okay. So you don't remember. You don't know an Ellen DeGeneres then. Oh, I'm no. Who's like, screwed? I go, come on. What's going on here? <laughs> and the lady goes, this is Glory Gale. I'm Ellen DeGeneres' executive producer. Ellen just heard the piece on Willow about 10 minutes ago, and she flips houses. She loves it. Can you all come out to L.A. tomorrow? And I go, what? wait, what? What do you Oh, mean? my goodness. I go, come That's out to crazy. L.A. tomorrow? Like, as in Saturday? She goes, yeah. And I go, listen, I, I didn't know what to say. I go, I got to get my hair done. I don't, like, <laughs> I didn't know what. I was, like, so, and I'm thinking, like, I got to talk to my husband, and, like, I don't, is this even real? Like is somebody like what's going on here? So, the They're Lady Glory. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's I'm like somebody's messing with me. This is not even real. So they the Lady Glory, she goes, "Is Willow there?" I go, "Yeah." So I walk into Willow's room and I'm trying to mouth it's Ellen. And she's looking at me like, "What the what?" Yeah. And Ooh. so I put it on speakerphone and and Glory goes, "Is Willow there?" And I go, "Yeah, Willow's here now." And and Glory goes, "Hey, hey, it's Glory Gale, Ellen execu executive producer. How are you doing today?" And Willow looks at me like, "What the?" Willow goes, "I'm doing okay." And she goes, "You know who Ellen is?" And she and Willow goes, "Yeah, I have her on my Facebook feed." And she goes, "Well, Ellen heard your broadcast. Um, just a few minutes ago and she told me to get a hold of you immediately. She wants you to come out to LA." You know, what do you think, Mom? I go, this is Willow's gig, whatever. Like, this is just kind of weird. Um, I'm Wow. okay with it. And Willow's like, nobody even cares about this story, so I don't see what the big deal is. And Glory goes, you wait, give it 24 hours, and you're going to have people calling you from all over the world. And we're like, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. And she said, okay, here's the deal. She goes, I want to make you a deal. She goes, if you decide you're going to come with us and do the Ellen show, the only way that we will do that is if you agree to not talk to any press, no press at all, until this airs, until your show airs. What do you think? And Willow was like, "Uh, yeah, that's cool. I'll go with that. So she said, okay, we're in agreement. You guys will come out. And I said, I don't think tomorrow. Do you have, like, another date? Like, in there. And she was like well, we're paying for all your plane fare, your your limo, your everything. So I'm like, yeah, but I just, like, I got to, I'm just, she goes, okay, she okay, okay. She goes, how about we call you back tomorrow and you come out, let's say, she goes, why don't we have you on our St. Patrick's Day show? Let's have you on on March 17th. So she said, that'll give you, like, four or five days to figure out what you're doing and what have you. But she said, you are you okay with our deal, though? We made a deal, right, that you're not going to talk to anybody until you come on this show. And I said, well, oh, is that? She said, yeah, that's fine. Nobody cares. So what's the big deal? So we hung up the phone, and nobody called on Saturday. This was Friday when I, it aired, and we talked to, El, the you know, the producer. So nobody calls on Saturday. Sunday morning, I get a call, like, one in the morning, two in the morning, from somebody from, like, it was, like, India or something, saying, hey, And I speak to Willow and I go, can you call back at like seven, maybe? It's kind of in the middle of the night. Seven o'clock, I had Good Morning America, The Today Show, Inside Edition, um, CNN, NBC Nightly News, Canadian Radio, Asia TV. It was off the 13th chain. Wow. And I'm like, um, reality TV shows out of LA, out of everywhere. I was like, "What is going on? This is craziness!" And so um, we went out to LA uh, that next week. And meanwhile, I was just booking stuff for Willow. We did CNN. She and some of them we did together. Some of them she like the Ellen Show. She did um, on her own. I was I was so afraid. I was like, "I am not even going to. I can't even deal with this. <laughs> I don't want to be on TV." I don't want to be on TV. I don't I'm not doing this. I'll be in the audience. So you can stay paying over to me and the it's on YouTube. You can look it up on YouTube, but Wow. Um, yeah, it's Willow Tufano. T U F is in Frank A N O. So if you Google her, she did 185, probably more now. Um, interviews. She did Inside Edition, NBC Nightly News, oh CNN, goodness. Ashley Banfield's Money Show on Fox Money. Um, just, I mean, off the chain. Um, she toured with Miss Kay from Duck Dynasty giving speeches. I mean, it was just craziness for about a year. Um, just, you know, constant interviews. She's on the Huff Post, Huffington Post interviews her. They bring her on here and there, like once a month for like a contributor as a like young entrepreneur kind of deal. They'll bring and I get a lot of you know, usually about every two weeks or something, someone I guess will find an article and be like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy and they'll call me up and say hey we want to do an interview with willow and well obvious so um so then i set it up or whatever i'm like she's 18 now you can call her do whatever you know arrange it with her so she yeah i was just gonna year. ask
0: how old she is now so she's now 18, she's 18. so this is like four years mm-hmm. ago and yeah, how so has this her life four. changed because of it
1: okay so um willow today all she does is sell on Facebook that's her main job, her only job. She actually is still in school she has she's finishing her senior year. She moved up to Chicago she's very, very independent child um so when she turned fourteen, her girlfriend lives in Chicago, so she would travel She made her own money so from fourteen on, she's been pretty self sufficient as far as her own cell phone her own clothes, her own money, her own whatever. So um, from 14 on, she would fly up to Chicago, and because she was doing online school, homeschooling, she could do it up there or she could do it here. So she would travel up there for a month or two, you know, hang out with her girlfriend, come back here. We're pretty open as far as parents go and kind of letting our children lead the way somewhat. We give them direction, but we also you know, let them lead somewhat. So, she Yeah, where did, find she her get own that, uh, where did she get that fierce independence from? Probably, she's a lot like I am as far as creative. She's very, <laughs> very creative on ideas and, and so forth. So um, she's been, since she was 14, she was going back and forth. You know, her girlfriend would come down here. She would go up there, whatever. Um, and then when she was 17, she said, listen, I'm going to be 18 and about, 15 days after school starts, she said, so my plan is I'm moving up there with Alexis. Um, you know, I make enough money to support myself. So I'm moving up there. I'm going to do my senior year of high school up there in a regular school, and it's kind of different because she's always been fairly sheltered, and then she moves up there where you're going through metal detectors. It's, wow. you know, downtown Chicago and Logan Square were you
0: a basket from, case
1: like, as a mom? I would have been a basket case. <laughs> kind of. I mean, but like yeah. I said, she's pretty, she's pretty independent. She knows what she wants to do. Um, one of the things I was a little bit worried, like I told you, she sells, she buys and sells stuff on Facebook. So she'll go to the local thrift store, Goodwill, Salvation Army, you know, whatever, a trash can or whatever and get stuff. And my feeling was is where we live right now, we live on an island. You can only get to by car ferry or boat. So when she was selling stuff, we would have the people come over on the ferry, on the boat, and then they're here. Like if they do something, you know, there's no way to get off the island without the, the ferry boat. So it was it's fairly secure, her selling right. and so forth here. Whereas she's in downtown Chicago trying to sell exactly. to people. So what she does is she usually right across the street from where she lives in Logan square, there's a police department. So she goes over there and she set it up with the Chicago police that she's able to sell stuff in their lobby. Or for safety reasons. So when she has a trade or a sale, she goes over across the street to the Chicago police department and they let her sell stuff in their lobby. So <laughs>
0: She's so, so creative. Like, who thinks of that kind of stuff? That's I amazing. So
1: that's how she's worked it out in Chicago, because I told her, I go, Willow, this isn't your 60-year-old grandma that's buying a, a game for her grandson. You know, this is more, you know, hardcore people here. So, you know, you're not, a, you don't have that life experience. You've been pretty sheltered, so you need to figure out a way I said I'm not going to have you just having them come to the house. Well, you know that's not going to happen. So she said, "Well, give me a week and I'll figure it out." So that's what she <laughs> figured out to go to the police department. So she makes her sales in the lobby there. She sells things like Chicago Bulls jerseys. Mm. You know she may pick them up in the. Um, she may pick them up at the thrift store for five bucks, and then she sells them on the fan page, the Chicago Bulls Facebook fan page, for fifty-five dollars or forty dollars or whatever. Wow. So uh, that's kind of what Willow's doing. She's finishing up her senior year of high school. And I don't know why, but she has no interest in going to college. She said that she feels like that would just be like a, she puts it like uh, holding her back. She feels like she knows what she wants to do. She's thinking about, I think her girlfriend, for last I heard, was accepted into a college in New York City. So her next idea is possibly to do what she calls line sitting. So you would go, and she she was asking me a few days ago how to set up a company as far as W-2s and, and workers and what have you. So she wanted to start a company possibly sitting in line for like sneaker releases, new iPhone releases, maybe Broadway tickets, or there's these things wow. called Cronuts. I don't even know. It's a big thing in New York City where people wait for hours. It's like a croissant, donut, and people wow. wait for these things. So she wanted to set up a team of people, line sitters, who sit in line and and wait for various events. It is her yeah? You know, it's interesting idea. that what you
0: say about college because um, so I my two youngest sons, my youngest son John has always been very entrepreneurial in a lot of different ways. And we had the same conversation about college. I never went to college, so I really wanted my kids Nor did to go us. to college. <laughs> right. And, yeah, and he and he sat me down and he said, Mom, look, he goes, I, I don't see the point in wasting four to five years going to college to get a degree that I'm never going to use. I mean, my husband did go to college. He goes, look, Dad went to college, and he got a communications degree, and he's never even used anything because of it and he goes there's so many other things that i can go do in this world as an entrepreneur that ha- i don't need to go to college for and mm-hmm. so he hasn't and he's in the process of designing a clothing line he's he's very artistic and he loves art and so he's and he's doing, doing that stuff <laughs> on. yeah he's doing some stuff on twitter and you know That's snapchat awesome. and he's designed this you know he's, he's like he goes you know he goes i know what cool clothes are for Teen boys mom, you know. <laughs> like, all
1: that's right. funny because Willow is actually doing that too. She has a clothing company she started called the Lazy Teddy Bear, and oh, that's um, awesome. she's yeah. So she um, sells things that are you know trendy or or what have you. She has a a singer that she follows called Melanie Martinez, and I guess it's I don't know. I don't really get the style at all, but I guess it's yeah. fairly it's fairly large. It's like baby doll kind of looking stuff and like I said I don't really get it at all but it's kind of a big thing in this circle that so and I mean her she has like bright purple hair one day bright blue hair the next day her style is really funky and different and you know she said I just gotta love
0: <laughs> yeah you gotta love that we're in a world now that is thankfully so much more accepting of all of our differences, right? Like I think that that's probably the the best thing that I like about our current world and our current economy. Yeah. Well, So I how definitely. has all of this affected you in real estate? Like, has it skyrocketed well, your? Well, Will career says you, you might move
1: not? back and and flip houses again with me. So we'll see on that. <laughs> that's two choices: or move to New York or move back here and and flip houses. So, um, like I said, my I really like dealing with investors. I'm so bad at going in and looking at. I, I'm really bad at, at getting listings. I'll go in and be like, what are you stinking with that wallpaper? That's awful. You know? So <laughs> because I've been dealing with investors so long. So, like, the whole thing with listings is just I can't do it. I, I can't go in and be like, yeah, I see that green wall is fantastic. I see what you're – I just – because my investors rely on me to – say, hey, get rid of all this and put this in and we'll be able to make 50 grand profit kind of thing. So right. I I pretty much have stuck to just dealing with investors. Now, um, I kind of roll with what's going on. I mean, I started out houses and then I went to lot flipping because that was big when the building boom was a big thing. So I flipped lots and then things went down. and So I worked on foreclosures for a while, flipping foreclosures. And then that's kind of not really a thing anymore. <clears throat> so now my investors have pretty much moved in new builds, flipping new builds. So I was like, okay, how do I do that? The foreclosure market's drying up. It looks like, you know, now new builds are coming back. How do I get in that market? So that's been my new thing is figuring out how to get – I have like a group of investors that I just kind of stick with and they've made good money with me and that's, you know, that's what I do. So my new thing is – is um is doing new builds for, and also doing Facebook ads um, for my builders, and I kind of just run their Facebook ads, and then I'll be like, "Here's a new client, here's a new client, here's," and so I just get a commission off all the new clients. I mean, I may send them seven or eight in one day, you know. So, um, so, so it my specialty, like a lot of... I guess, is marketing. You know. Yeah, and
0: you know, I I, I think the key component here is. You just have to be, just like Willow was and what you taught her, you have to be creative. Like, the market is constantly changing. And one thing, you know, I see people, they get so kind of stuck in their way that when things change, they're in trouble, right? Exactly. They're not prepared for that.
1: Exactly. Maybe they were a big REO agent listing all kinds of bank houses, and then now that spigot turns off. And then they're like, whoa, what do I do here? You know, what? That's what I did. That's how I made money. What do you, you have to look and see? What's going on? What's selling? How can you mold to what's happening? You know, so. That's so kind tell of. me
0: this: you started a Facebook group just like three months ago, and and what's it called again? Real estate.
1: It's owl? yeah. It's called Real Estate Out of the Box Owl. And how did you come up so, with the
0: owl part of it?
1: Oh, okay. Again, my whole thing. I love marketing and thinking about how people perceive things. So I wanted, a lot of the stuff I do and that I talk about is free or very low cost. So I wanted to give the group a, um, people to think that, okay, these are marketing tips that are free, low cost kind of thing. So here's what I did. Everybody loves animals. They love Tony the Tiger. They love black dog, They love the Geico Gecko. So when I'm thinking of a marketing campaign, my company's called Green Lion Realty. I try to incorporate some type of animal. So I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of a teaching type page. So what would give that flavor of teaching? And I thought, well, an owl is wise and pe- teachers use it. And so, you know, the owl would be a good choice if it's going to be marketing and teaching people things. So I thought, okay, there's my animal, the owl. Then I thought, okay, I want it to be kind of a grassroots type feel, like a, you know, uh, back to basics kind of thing. So I thought, what colors would give that type of vibe? So basically the colors are orange and brown on the owl. So that gives kind of like a retro, you know, back in the 70s, the owl, the orange and brown owl kind of like, wow, that's from a long time ago, grassroots feel to it. So and then the out of the box, again, you know, most of my ideas aren't your typical, well, not your basic pitch, not with a B with a P, marketing, (laughs) the tagline, so I wanted it something catchy to where it was, you know, people got it, but it was a different thing, I was saying. So the tagline is not your basic pitch marketing. So obviously that's kind of a play on words on that uh, on that tagline. So and how,
0: I mean, really you amazing. blew this group up. Like literally in three months, you've gone to almost 15,000 members.
1: How did you do that? Well, like I said, I feel like people want a place where they can just discuss ideas and there's not a whole lot of advertising. It's more grassroots and more. So for me, I don't, I don't personally pitch any one company, you know, and nor do I even, I, most of the, like, I don't even have a CRM. I use an Excel spreadsheet. That's how basic I am. So, you know, so I'm, uh, I didn't want it to be a place where it's constantly, constantly pushing this company, pushing that company, pushing whatever. I wanted to keep it very basic very let's toss around ideas and I wanted to throw out a bunch of ideas that I have that have made me and my company a lot of money without spending a lot of money and I know everybody says oh you have to spend money to make money that's true but there are a lot of things that you can do or have a slight bit of knowledge about a certain program and make a lot of money so I mean in my opinion yeah, you can spend 5000 on a certain program, but often I can do just as well, if not better, competing with the people that are doing, spending $5,000 on a certain program doing the same thing. So I wanted to yeah. tell agents that there are so many new agents that get in and they spend, they buy this and they buy that and they buy, and nothing works. And they, you know, try some free stuff. So, you know,
0: it's funny that you say that because I, now I. As soon as you start saying it, I, my mind went blank. But the guy that is on Shark Tank, he wrote the book, Something Broke. I can't. I want to say, I think it's called Pitch Broke or something like that. And I was listening to it on audio and he was saying that when you have to figure out things with no budget is when you're way more creative, right?
1: Like when Exactly. You, when exactly. you have like
0: a million dollars to throw around in advertising, You'll just really waste it. Frankly, you'll throw it
1: at stuff that exactly. you don't even
0: track it. You don't know what you're spending. But when you actually have to do, you have to find ways to do it cheap or free. Like I hear people all the time talking about Legion and how they want to, you know, pay for Zillow or pay for realtor. I'm like, you know what? Go do an open house. Like an open house is free. Yeah, that's <laughs> Facebook free. Facebook is
1: free. Building relationships right. is free. You know. So exactly. And those are all the things business. that I talk about in my marketing. And I I say, hey. You know if I can teach my fourteen year old daughter how to market and how to be successful, I can probably teach you you know so that's exactly. kind of so I just actually I just came up with this new everybody's been bugging the daylights out of me about you need to write a book you need we have all these ideas, and they're all over your page they're not in any like specific order or any. So finally, I mean, I've been working on this thing for like two years, and I keep coming up with a new idea, and then I put it in there, and then it's not done, and then so finally, actually, Noah is the one that finally got me going um, yeah. to finish to finish my book. It was it was the it was one of the last times I talked to him. I remember it was Martin Luther King Day. It was Monday, and he was he kept begging me to do a podcast with him, and. um and, I, you know, and so it was a Monday, and he said, hey, he was the admin, the other admin on my page, and he said, uh, we were talking about this iPad that we were going to give away, and we are going to give it away to the most helpful person. And I was talking to him about, like, I don't know, this is so hard. I wish I didn't even make this contest up, because how can you pick one person out of 10,000? At that time, it was around 10,000. How can you pick just one person that's the most helpful? There's so many helpful people, and I'm like, I really wish I didn't do this contest because now I'm regretting it. And so he was like, well, why don't we come up with 10 people that we think are really helpful and then we pick it out of the, like we do a drawing. Cause then it's not us being like, this is the one that we decided on. So we had right. come up with eight people and then he said, let's talk like Wednesday. I said, I'm kind of busy Tuesday. And he goes, listen, he goes, I want you to do this podcast, but you keep telling me you're almost done with your book. He goes. I don't want to talk to you until you're done with your book. And I go. Well, I'm. I have another chapter to write. He goes. You. You said that forever. You keep saying that, and you're never done. I go. Well, I could wrap it up how it is now, but. And so he said, "You wrap up the book." He goes, "We'll do a podcast like Wednesday or Thursday for my page." He goes, "That'll give you some incentive." Then it, work on it today. Work on it tomorrow. If you're not done Wednesday, then we'll talk Thursday. So he sent me a message on Wednesday. We talked on Wednesday and he said, I'm not feeling well at all. He said I, I he goes, I just took my my temperature, it's like hundred and four and he goes, I feel sick to my stomach. I go, Yeah, I go, You're probably coming down with the flu, it's that time of the year, you know. I said, Just Hey, we don't have to do the podcast even this week. I said, That'll give me more time to work on my book He goes You better be done with it by the time I get done with this illness because by the time I feel better he goes he goes I'm going to be better in a day or two and you better be ready to do the podcast and done with your book I said you get better and we'll talk I said why don't we regroup on like Friday or so and so then I saw on his Facebook page on I think it was Thursday that he posted he was in the hospital and um he posted the picture that he had shown me of the um the thermometer at 104 and he posted a picture of him with an IV. And he said something yeah. like, getting some juice. I'll be back to good, you know, shortly. I don't even remember what it was. Just yeah. something, okay. You know, and I thought, all right, you know, he must be dehydrated or what have you from getting sick. And, you know, we'll catch up next week. And then I didn't see anything from him on Friday. I thought, well, that's weird, but maybe he's just not up to it, you know, because he was on all the time, you know, on his page, on my page, on whatever, various other pages. And I thought, yeah, he's probably, you know, maybe they kept him overnight because he was not feeling well just to watch him, to get his fluids or what have you. And I didn't hear anything from him on Saturday. And I sent him a message and I said, hey, I'm worried about you, buddy. What's going on? haven't heard anything from you in two days. When are we doing the podcast? I wanted to get him... You know, at least some kind of reaction. Yeah. Nothing. I didn't hear anything. And so, me. It was then. It was Sunday, and David Presquez from Labcoat reached out to me and said, "Hey, have you heard anything from Noah?" And I said, "No, I'm kind of concerned because, uh, you know, usually he'll at least respond something." I said, "I haven't like nothing. Okay. I haven't heard anything." I said, last I know, he was getting some fluids. He was in the hospital. I said, don't you live over by him? Um, do you, could you check on him? I don't even know what hospital he'd go to. I don't really know. It's on the other side of the country here. And he said, yeah. He goes, he's like 45 minutes from me. I think he's in this whatever hospital it was. And I said, can you call there and maybe see what's going on? And he said, I just called. He, he, he sent me a message back and he goes, I just called there. He's in the ICU. I said, In the wow. ICU for what? He goes, I don't know. I talked to Karen, and Karen was like frantic and distraught, which is his wife. And I'm just going to call back in a few hours. The doctors were in there, and I don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow. I mean, what's happening? So he sends me a message. So I sent him a message like two hours later. I'm like, Did you figure it out? What's going on? Did, do they need anything? What's happening? And he said, he's on a ventilator now. I think they're going to switch him to La Jolla Hospital. They're going to air flight him. And I go, what happened? What is going on? He goes, I don't really know. I'm going to, I'll probably touch base with her tomorrow morning. So I was like, wow, (laughs) you know, I I don't understand. He had a fever and felt sick, and then, then he's being air flighted? What's going on? Yeah. So I talked to David the next morning and I'm like, did you find out what's going on? And he said, yeah, he was sick. He thought he had the flu and he got sepsis and it attacked his heart and they have him on a ventilator and it's looking really bad. I said, what do you mean it's looking really bad? I don't, I was just talking to him like three days ago. I don't, how can it be that bad in three days? I don't, and they're like, it's, he can't talk and he's being like, you know, supported by respirator and machines. And I was just like, how can this be? This was just a few days ago we were talking about doing a a podcast and then now this. And then I was just like, what can we do for his family? What can we do? Can we, does, you know, I knew that his parents um, lived in New York still. I said, do they need to be with him? Do they have money? Can we fly him out there? Can we get the groups together? What can we do to help him out? You know, at least they were all of his family together, and and then within that time, overnight, he passed away. And uh, Yeah,
0: you know, it's so crazy because um, I had done a podcast with him. Him and I did a, we did a Blab and a podcast, which was kind of funny. He taught me about Blab. I'd never heard about it until I talked to mm. Noah. And then I was down in San Diego just a couple of days before he got sick, and him and I had had coffee, and I remember in hindsight that was the only time I'd ever met him. So I didn't know what he normally looked like, but I remember that day thinking he looked like a little sweaty, like a little pale, like maybe he hmm. was fighting off a cold or a flu. And but yeah. I didn't think anything about it because again, it was the first time I I had actually met him in person. But in hindsight, now it was obvious that he was he was getting sick because just like two days after that, I think is when. I saw the picture of his temperature at 105. But what an amazing, an amazing man he was. And such yeah, a tragedy he, for, for everybody, you know. I mean, it's obviously he was just his wife so and the young daughter. Oh, yeah. yeah. I and mean, him I mean, and I that's... talked about putting, the same thing. We talked about putting together a project and we were going to work on a training. And, you know, I've had a, I, I'm a little bit, uh, embarrassed to say, I've also been working on a book for a couple of years and just haven't gotten it together. You, your story sounded just like me. I'm like, oh, I sound yeah. just
1: like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was, exactly. I've pulled together and I mean, and... he was... Noah was what my page is about. And I don't know if that's um, why there's such an interest because, I mean, Noah was exactly he gave back without expecting to get anything i mean just for instance exactly. if somebody would be struggling with a certain concept he would jump off do a uh, little webinar on how to do it and post it on their post just you know to help somebody out so he and i were a lot alike as far as like helping people out and you know trying to you know give a hand up to the struggling agent kind of thing so It's really important to me. I mean, I didn't know him for a whole huge amount of time, actually. But the small amount of time I did know him, he made a huge impression on me as far as just the type of person that he was, um, you know, business-wise. I didn't really know too much about him personally other than he has a daughter the same age as my youngest one. Um, They're the same age. But... uh, I just felt his presence and what he gave off, his whole aura, if that makes any sense, was like no, very positive. Does. Yeah, it was very positive. And so um, the first 300 books I gave out for free, just as somebody would donate to his GoFundMe account, you know. So And get- so
0: on your page, your page is called uh, Real Estate Out of the Box Owl. And the very Correct. first post you can see within that in that group is a pinned post that is a GoFundMe account that was set up uh, between you guys at out of the box out and lab coat agents to raise money for his wife. I know that I've donated to it and uh, and actually intended to continue to donate because uh, some of the proceeds of the sale of a book I'm helping promote by Regina Brown, who I did a podcast with, the proceeds are going to that. And um, it, when is your book going to come out? Because I know I would love Yes, to I know. Everybody's too, asking me when I have,
1: I need to set up. Um, I mean, I'm techie to a, only a certain extent, I guess I could say. So I'm not good with, like, setting up a whole web page and setting up a page type thing and what have you. So there's a guy named Chad Weber who I've been talking to, and he's pretty savvy on setting that kind of stuff up. So I need him to set me a page cat. If you're listening to this, I'm expecting it. (laughs) So um, he, he's pretty savvy with setting that kind of stuff up. So I want him to set me a page where you can see what the book, what's in the book, kind of like a preview of the book. And then, um, then you'll be able to buy it. So that's the delay. I tried to just kind of get it out. You know, I, I, I stopped the book and said, okay, this is, this is all the content that's going to be in the book. And then I um, made the front cover of the book and so forth. And I kind of rushed to just get it out to people um, quickly. I didn't even put like a bio on myself, you know, who I am, the person writing it or anything like that. I just kind of put it out there. So to try to raise money for Noah's family in a quick type fashion. So um, so
0: let me ask you this is um, a couple things. First of all, what's the name of the book?
1: The book is just what my page is, real estate, out of the box, Al, not your basic pitch marketing. So it kind of goes along, goes hand in hand with what I talk about a lot on my page, which is marketing in a free or low money type um, budget. And
0: so is there an option, are you continuing to let people get it if they donate to the page or does that end it?
1: I've stopped that because I just, I mean, I would get 50, 60, you know, whatever, people a day. I did it for 48 hours, I think, and there were 300. So it's kind of just to get it out there, get, an, you know, some more money for Noah. And then what I'm going to do now is I'm going to sell the book for $99. And I'm going <clears> to <throat> donate a portion of that to Noah's – I'm planning on trying to start a 501c3, which I have in the works, under Noah's name and, um, and donate a portion of all the book proceeds to that account. So that's the next thing. And I'm also trying to incorporate, I'm not a big fan of pushing vendors down people's throats. I just don't mm-hmm. really like that concept. So I've come up with this new thing and I kind of put a post up on my page about how I maybe want to incorporate it is have like somebody interview a new vendor once a week and then um, decide kind of like a survivor type thing or the gong show. Like I think it would be (laughs) good for the vendor because the vendor would get an idea of what do agents like about their program or their product. And what do they not like? So maybe they need to go back to the drawing board on a few things, but a few things, you know, they really do like. And then it would give a chance to figure out how do you use this product? And how does it compare to this other product? And why should I buy your product over this product kind of thing? So I wanted it to be like a vendor hot seat kind of thing once a week. And then we can decide do we want to, you know, include this vendor or not include this vendor? And then I thought any of the proceeds, like we could do like a certain product code, so they knew it came from my page. And then again, the portion of the proceeds would go to um would go to to the NOAA's five oh one C three thing. So that's kind of like yeah.
0: So Um, let me know when you get those two things up and running and we'll link to it on the podcast would be great okay awesome. um because awesome. that would be some great ways to promote it well you know what shannon you we could go on and on for hours because you have so much great insight but for anyone who's interested we will on com. we will post the show notes about this particular show and how you can get a hold of shannon get to her facebook page find out you know about her upcoming projects and books so Thank you so much for being here, Shannon, today. This has been just, I knew it would be a ton of great information, but you far exceeded my expectations.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters in the real estate industry and leadership on how we can raise the bar on our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes, and while you are there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. Want to keep up with the latest stuff? Pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thank you again for listening, and go out there and help us raise the bar.